gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous Georgian goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday delivery. How about this? We're going to do the show for reals in July. You're going to hear it in August. Kind of a trip, huh? All right. So we're really going to recap UFC 277, the pay-per-view from this past weekend. We're going to spend a lot of time on that, obviously give out the results, and then just kind of go over the big storylines that took place this past weekend. There was two title fights and uh, some really nice pivotal, you could almost call them like number one contender fights or top contender fights in a way that part of me that part kind of snuck up on me but that part was a little legit yeah it was a couple early stoppages yet again the injury bug the injury jinx is out there so we'll cover it all we'll be right back to start the show Summarize UFC 277 in one sentence. Hmm. In one sentence, let's see. Start off with, in my opinion, UFC 277 was... In my opinion, UFC 277 was okay. Uh, I think it was a decent night of fights to watch, but probably not to pay for. When you consider how much money you, you put out for the pay-per-view portion of it, I felt like it might have fallen a little short, mm-hmm. but uh, not the worst thing in the world either. Whose fault was that? Juliana Pena for, I don't want to say not showing up, but maybe just for not being, she wasn't even the challenger, for not being a worthy opponent to Amanda Nunes or did just everyone chip in along the way and, and you know, stick stick in your craw that 75 bucks? Everyone maybe chipped in a little bit along the way. I mean, it's unfortunate what happened to Anthony Smith. Yeah. So that one, you can't really say too much. But however, it's, it's kind of like uh, it's been happening a lot. This is the third one that I can remember here in the last month or so. So that sucked. Um, the main event, I'm a little confused here. Somebody might have to slap me around, but uh, I don't know why. Like, Juliana Pena, yes, she lost the fight. Yes, uh, she had some bad cuts, some bad bruising. She took some bad shots. But uh, if you look at Amanda Nunes, like, she didn't walk out like a cover girl either, right? Like, she was kind of jacked up, too. Her face was messed up. Nowhere near Juliana, though. Nowhere near, but nobody else. Nobody's also saying, "Hey, are you allergic to peaches?" Right? Like people were going, "Oh shit, what happened to you?" Like she got stuck to a couple times, and she got put in some bad spots. I thought there were times where we said, "What are you doing, Amanda? Like, why are you putting yourself in this situation?" I thought Amanda had a little bit of low fighter IQ at moments, but it worked out for Amanda. And yeah, it was a destructive win, I thought, but I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world, what what happened with Juliana Pena. But I think it does solve the the question, who is better? I know they're 1-1, but I think we can clearly tell who the better fighter is. Yeah. So in my opinion, I was a little let down with the event, but not much because... I know, I feel like there's a lot of interesting storylines that kind of came out of it a little bit. And a lot of it just isn't the fighter's fault. Like, I mean, look, I kept saying Alexandra Pantoja is really legit on the ground. Alex Perez, I think, just underestimated, you know, what was happening when he got choked out. Um a lot of it was just the pressure on his neck that was twisting off because he really wasn't like under the chin per se, but something must have been painful because he tapped really quick. Anthony Smith, you know, serious injury. He couldn't continue either. 
And and then we get to the stoppage with Pavlovich and Derek Lewis, which I'll give credit to Dana White. He kind of summed it up best. Like it wasn't it, it was an early stoppage, but not a bad stoppage. But at the same time, nobody can say, Mergliata, what were you thinking? Because I remember during the fight, Lewis kind of crashing head first. And mm-hmm. then we watched five different angles of the same thing in really slow motion. To Derek Lewis's credit, he did crash. He did take a couple shots, but he popped up quick. You know what I mean? However, yeah. put yourself in Mergliata's brain for that one second as it's all taking place. You can't even go, what were you thinking? What were you looking at? None of that. Because Pavlovich, remember, uppercut, hook, uppercut, hook. I mean, he was getting... He was dicing them up, you know what I mean? And so then Lewis, like I said, kind of falls down and goes head first. Um, so, yeah, whether he got up quickly, could he have come back, all that kind of doesn't matter because the man made his decision, and that's who we entrusted to call that fight. And he's one of the top ten in the world. Some might even say one of the top five referees in the world. So there's really no blame to be had. It's just that when they all kind of happen on the heels of some of the letdowns we've had in main events this year and in other fights, you're just like, oh, so much pressure on the next two fights. And then Brandon Marino comes out and he's, uh, you know, for a second there, I thought he was an Egyptian as well, like Hamdi. He's, you know, kind of doing these weird moves, like he's on the dance floor, you know, moving his hands. Yeah, popping, and, you know, then he kind of settles down, has his hands like a boxer, and just starts throwing nice punches. Eventually, he catches Kai Car France with that kick to the body. But I, I wanted that fight to go deep into round four or even round five. Um, I, I just wanted a little bit more from them. But I can't, I, can't, I, I can't say I'm not pleased with the way it ended because, hey, a kick to the body that's on the money like that? Come on, you know, like that's that's cool. And then we get to the main event, and Amanda just steamrolled. Um, and I was more mad because that's what I thought was gonna happen, except more along the lines of what happened in the first two rounds, where she just was knocking her down. I thought not, not only was she gonna knock her down, I thought she was gonna knock her out. And then Amanda switched things up and started taking her down and uh ground and pounding, you know. So, yeah, she did run into some trouble on an arm bar in round four. And, and yes, Juliana was setting up triangles. Uh, I, I don't think Amanda was too threatened with Dioma Platas. Each time, Amanda seemed to have a counter for it, and she was always winding up as, in side control. Then she'd wind up almost going in her guard yet again and then dicing her up with elbows and punches. Like So, they're just what i don't know there wasn't that michael chandler ferguson moment i guess like holy crap or molly mccann mm-hmm. uh Lu, Car- luana carolina i believe that's who, who, she, who she did it to the first not, time not on the pay-per-view portion right yeah but there was i look back at the card and i think there was seven finishes and of course the ufc decides to not give every finisher a bonus they only gave it to pantoja and dober fight of the night goes to brandon marino in kai car france but i didn't ne- negu Moranu, he finished he didn't get a bonus Morales, he finished. He didn't get a bonus. Um, Ankalaev, I mean, I guess he finished and didn't get a bonus. Pavlovich, he finished and didn't get a bonus. Um, didn't they? <laughs> oh, it's like I swear, people that listen to this show must think I despise Dana White. It's so not true, but I'm just confused. I remember him saying, we came to Dallas, 19,000 in attendance. We broke the gate record. It's the 21st time in a row. And I'm thinking, well, then give every finisher a bonus like you did in, uh, what was it, Singapore, I believe, and London. Like, what's different from that show than the other one? You know, like, then the then the other one's like, what what's going on here? I'm just... I'm just so confused by this system of like just when you want to like shake his hand, tip your hat, round of applause, a toast to Dana White, 
all of a sudden we're back to kind of the four, which I guess is the deal. You know, it's not like he's it's not like he's breaking his word, but I don't know. I just I was a little bummed out for some of the guys that finished, guys and gals. Yeah, it was a it was a strange card. The pacing of it. Once you got to the pay per view, you were right. It was like a little bit of a letdown in certain regards. The stoppage, yeah, it wasn't a bad stoppage. It was an early stoppage, but I think you could easily flip that on Dan Rigliata if Derek Lewis face plants and then Pavlovich lands like three punches right away. Wouldn't you go? What are you doing? He face planted. What were you thinking? He was out. You no, know, like. I, I think he could have let it go a little bit more, but uh, it's not the worst thing that ever happened. Derek Luce has got to figure things out because guys are beating him at his game, and that's uh, that's not good for business for that guy. And then the main event, you finally feel like, well, all right, now we got two mixed martial artists here, guys that are, are good everywhere in the game. And then, yeah, he comes out, uh, Brandon Reno comes out breakdancing, and you're like, what the, what the hell is going on here? Like, none of it made sense. When Kai Kara France cut him up is when he finally woke up a little bit and started fighting a little bit more like the old Brandon Moreno. Mm-hmm. And that finish was, was pretty remarkable. That was one of my favorite ni- moments of the night. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the main event. like uh, It's so odd because Amanda Nunes was so destructive, but at the same time, part of you kind of thought, well, why do you keep taking her down? Just knock her out already. You know, like It, it just seems like uh, you've been connecting all night. But the stand-up at times wasn't really going her way. Juliana sometimes was making the same mistake over and over. She just came in with a bunch of combos, and Amanda would sit back and just tag her. It it was just an odd night. Yeah, it was was very strange. But I didn't have the feeling that people in attendance, I think, probably had a decent time. You don't think they had a good time? I think they did. but, uh, But at home, it just didn't feel that way. Mm, there was some good moments on the undercard, but all right, we'll go one by one. Ankalaev and Smith. Uh, that fight was a little slow in developing, and I think just when it was kind of starting to heat up, well, for one, Smith is sitting in there in the corner. He's telling them to apply ice to his ankle, and so I thought, okay, you know, he's is he going to come out a little bit more conservative? But he came out like there was a fire hydrant up his ass. I mean, he just came out and went after him. You know what I mean? And it kind of reminded me, I think it was Semmelsberger who had the same thing, the closed eye, right? Yeah. Him and Murano in between rounds two and three, the 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 ref or the doctor comes in and um Semmelsberger tells him how many fingers he's holding up. So he allows him to go out. And Semmelsberger was smart. He was probably like, man, these guys could stop it at any point in this round. So he came out and just went after Murano. And so I thought Smith's going to do the same thing. Maybe maybe he realizes that the ankle's bad. He, he probably can't go the full three rounds. So he's just going to try and ice him, you know, just throw some hard strikes. But uh, it wound up being a really, really serious injury. And, and Ankaliyev Ankaliya won. I, I don't want to take anything away from Uncle Live because he's probably sitting there going, well, I mean, my body, you know, I, I didn't break anything. What do you want from me? You know, like I'm coming out of here with two checks and Smith's in my rear view mirror. But what I want to say is I don't think he beat the best Anthony Smith. But at the same time, I'm not saying he wouldn't have beaten Anthony Smith. I just disagreed the whole week with the whole minus 600 plus 400 thing. But, you know, I don't know if Anthony Smith, you know, uh has an answer for him if he continuously gets taken over and over maybe maybe not whatever but that fight ends that way um you have any thoughts on that fight or you want me to move on well during the fight you can see anthony saying it's broken it's broken turns out nothing was broken i don't don't even think anything was fractured right we still don't know really the extent of that injury but we know it's not as bad as it as it was uh, assumed during the fight yeah um Something was bothering him, and he's a veteran enough of the sport that I sure as heck won't uh, question him. Oh, no, you know no. what I mean? So I don't think they need to run it back, obviously. And Ankalaev is, what, 18-1 and one now or something? I mean, he's, he's, he's legit, you know? So whatever happens, happens. And then Anthony Smith's always going to have to lick his wounds and come back. He's still pretty young. And he's had a tough year with the loss of his mom. So let's wait for him to get healthy and just see what's next for him. But um, 
it just like I say, the fight didn't have the type of closure that I look for going into a fight. I know injuries happen, I know it, but still, uh, it was just a, a different feeling, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I wasn't even buzzed or anything. I was just kind of left empty. So then we get to the next fight, which is um, Pantoja and Perez. Pantoja's beaten both Marino and Kaikar France. And so we knew he was going to try and make a case for maybe facing Figueredo, even though we were going to have an interim champ. What if one of them gets hurt? Or what if one of them just, for whatever reason, doesn't come to terms with the UFC when Figgy's ready? Who knows? I think that's why Pantoja was like, let me see if I can get in here and and make a statement. Well, he did. He went out there. I mean, as soon as they said go, he went out there and he was firing strikes. And then eventually he took his back, got a body triangle while they were standing, and then uh, got got uh, got the choke that we were talking about. So he beats Perez. And then with his limited English, I have an appreciation for it. He said he wants the shot. Give me my shot. Let's go. The only problem is we did get a clear winner in the Coleman event. And then they had the moment where they brought in the two champions or they brought in the undisputed champion to face off. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I think Pantoja did what he was supposed to do. He goes out there. He wins with the limited English that he has. He staked his claim. Maybe that even gave him. Maybe that's what differentiated him from others. And that's why he got 50K. I don't know. Then we get. uh, Do you want to say anything about that one? Uh, Just that I appreciate him trying. I appreciate him giving that situation a shot. But his goose is cooked. It really is. And, you know, you're going to fast forward to the next fight, but that rematch is not going to happen until probably somewhere around December, January time. Like, Pantoja's not only not getting it now, he's going to have to take another fight probably. It certainly sounds like it, just because the other one seems so secure. Now, to be fair, Davis and Figueredo has had problems making weight. In the past, he could be an insurance fighter, get a paycheck, and be ready to step in for that fight if he wants, or just be on the same card versus who I don't know. But you know, he he has some choices if he wants to do that. The best thing he can do right now is just go back to Brazil, keep training, and wait to see what's going to happen. Figueredo did look like a big kid when he walked in, man. At at one point, it looked like a, a featherweight was facing off against the flyweight but he's probably wearing shoes marino's barefoot and then he had a nice thick sweater on so who knows whatever i won't make too big of a deal about that one but uh he was kind of towering over him so we get to the pavlovich lewis and i thought this can't suck um pavlovich you know has first round ko's Derek lewis is in his home state he's coming off a loss these guys are gonna slang and bang swing and bang whatever it is i, I never I always butcher it and 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 someone's gonna go to sleep but you're right goes it's like lewis is losing these and in the past that wasn't the case you know it's like he (sighs) by the time he wakes up it could be too late with these guys you know and he and he does take some hits um i'd like for him to to get in the center of the octagon and establish strikes Sometimes it feels like he waits for the strikes to come to him. But look, Pavlovich is like seven years younger. He may just have he may just have like that reckless fiber or fibers in his body that come when you don't have as much experience. You're just out there throwing, you know. Mm-hmm. You're not as cerebral. And if it's working, then why should you stop? As you get older and more mature, you look for reasons to pick your spots and that's when you become a little bit more hesitant. That's when the younger fighters can sometimes get on, get one over on you. But uh, I don't know what will happen with Lewis. This was a new camp, new head coach. You know, I don't know. I don't know why there was a parting of the ways with the other coach. Maybe I should have paid better attention to the pre-fight to the pre-fight press conference. But I don't even remember if he revealed it. But there he was. Uh, next thing you know complaining about the early stoppage and we already went over that so there's really no reason to go over it again but um i don't know now at the same time goes it's like Derek's so adamant about like i just want to get paid when's the next one that it almost doesn't give me the energy to want to like this 
dissect his career and give him a path towards another title shot? Or could him and Pavlovich run it back? Or who's someone else coming off a loss that we can pair up? It's almost like I just want to move on because he shows so little interest in other than just give me the next date, I'll fight whoever, that it kind of rubs off on me. Have you felt that's the same? 100%. I was just about to tell you the same thing. Like, what does it matter? You know, just next time he pops up on the schedule, we'll talk about that fight. But really, yeah. uh, that's kind of the attitude he's taking towards his career, and it, it, it makes you want to take a similar one. Yeah, and I know he's got this whole stance against the media. I firmly don't believe that you and I are in that group. I know in the past he's joked with us. Like, let's say we've had him on 10 times, and we've asked him 10 questions each time. That's 100 questions. There was probably five of the 90 five that maybe he either didn't like or just next question or whatever but there was 95 that we just joked on or some of them were probably obvious ones some of them were probably funny ones or whatever but i felt like we always had a good vibe but who knows maybe he does think we're assholes just like the rest of them <laughs> or or whatever we just haven't talked to him in a while you know so but it sucks that i kind of feel this way towards him because i really really genuinely liked covering him but when you make blanket statements like that, well, what do you expect? If you're not doing interviews with us and you're just lumping all MMA media together, then I guess I feel like I'm part of that group. So, like I say, that's why I'm just like, ah, let's go on to the next fight. You know what I mean? Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. So we get to the co-main event, Brandon Moreno versus Kai Car France. <sighs> Again, on the heels of these three, I needed like four or five rounds of just back and forth back and forth and we were getting two chess players who were doing their thing it's not that i didn't enjoy it but um i don't know it was almost like they needed to make up a little bit for what the first three fights didn't do you see what i'm saying like mm -hmm. and, and i think because it ended on the body kick and it was over I was still feeling unsatisfied. It's not their faults at all. It's each fight is individual, but you know, somehow I guess I was just lumping all the fighters together and, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's un un unfortunate on my end or what congrats to Brandon Marino. Uh, what did you think of the fight? And then what did you think of Davis and Figueredo coming into the octagon? I, well, I guess first, first I'll start off with the fight. I was a little let down because I was really excited. I think Brandon Moreno is a great fighter, but I thought adding the dynamic of James Krause, I thought we would see some kind of new wrinkle in his game. And I don't feel that James Krause is the one that told him to go out there and, and break dance. That, that, I mean, other, other than Tim Elliott, like when, when have we ever seen a James Krause fighter really that awkward or doing those types of things? So I don't feel like that came from him. I'm still trying to figure out what that that factor came from from James. So I was a little let down in that sense. When Brandon kind of came around and started fighting the way I thought he should have in the beginning, I got excited again and it had a good good finish. Bringing in Davidson Figueredo, I thought I understand where Dana's coming from and being a little hesitant, uh, which is weird because I don't really think he cares too much about what people think most of the time, but in this particular time, he thought it could come off as disrespectful. And I get that, but that's, that's kind of like the fight game. It just happens. It happens a lot in boxing. Mm -hmm. I think fighters uh, are just used to it. Um, but I kind of enjoyed it. It's just, it had the reverse effect. I thought it was going to get me more pumped up for, for the next fight. I thought maybe they might shove each other, or get each other's faces. Cause remember outside of this, this fight, there have been other accusations and things that have gone on behind the scenes with these two. Uh, I just thought the bad blood would kind of boil over. I'm not saying it's gonna, it's got to turn into, you know, strike force with the with uh, Miller and and the scrap pack and all that. But I don't know. I just expected a little bit more. But I was still okay with the end product. I'm glad they did it versus them not doing it. I'm a mixture of me of emotions. Had it turned into scrap pack versus Miller, um. We would never get one of these again. <laughs> but yet, according to Dana White, we may never get one of these again because he's he kind of just wound up not liking it. So as it's taking place, 
I was like, yeah, I like this stuff. Bring him in, you know. Figueredo's there. He's got his glasses on. He's got some swag, you know, the belt. And um, so I thought, why not? Why not build up this this eventual fight like that that they're gonna have? Um, I would never want a Diaz Miller deal. I don't mind head. I don't mind face to face. I don't even mind a shove. Um, but as Dana White was explaining it, I kind of was understanding what he was saying because even though Marino's three daughters were at home and he says, Hey, I want to show them that this is all about respect. His wife was in the, uh, octagon. So was his manager and his wife. And so they're literally seconds away from doing a group pick and just celebrating a nice moment of becoming a champion. So I see what Dana White is saying. Like, Hey, we made a, we may have taken that. From them, yeah, maybe. The only way we're ever going to know is I think this week we're going to try and talk with Brandon Marino, and we should probably ask every other person that we know that there have been a world champion. Hey, what did you think of this when it happened to you, or had it happened to you? You know, if it's never happened to them, and see if they agree. You know, and I think if you ask about ten people, you should have a pretty solid answer. And I, I have a feeling most of them are going to say. No, I would have been all about selling the next fight, or I'm glad they did it, or whatever. I think it'll be something like eight to two. I don't really think there's going to be too many fighters that say, no, nah, man, that was my moment. They ruined it, or whatever. I I, I think because had, had Marino won, so let's say the referee is standing in between them, and Bruce Buffer says, and new interim champion, Brandon Marino, and then all of a sudden a brouhaha takes place, or maybe Figueredo's already there grabbing the mic from Joe Rogan. Yes, I would agree. But Rogan goes through his steps of interviewing Marino. Marino says what he has to say, couple shout outs, this and that. And then usually they close with, now I got to ask you, who do you want next? Well, in this case, we want next. And so Rogan says, Figueredo's in, you know, in the audience. What do you want to say to him? And, um, you got to remember, Brandon said, where is he? Yeah. So in a way, he I was just about to say that. Yeah, right? I was about to say, or maybe it was even Brandon Marino initiating it. So as he's doing it, he's kind of already turning the page. I am mm-hmm. the interim champ. Thanks. You know, Viva Mexico and thanks to my team. But yeah, where's this guy? And so now they show him. And so now it's kind of like they made a decision. Live with the decision and please do it in the future. You don't have to do it every single time. But um, this is I thought they I thought this was a good one. I hope he really isn't soured on the whole experience because I don't think it was rude or disrespectful one bit. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, and that's that, you know, and then hopefully we'll get it straight from the horse's mouth and ask Marino, was that disrespectful? You know, now I will say this when he said it looked like he was trying to squash that stuff. Wasn't there something going around about um? Was the word monkey used or something? Something like that, yeah. Okay. Um, And so I think what they were trying to do was maybe squash that moment. And it looked like Moreno said, you know, I I either want to apologize or I want to move past it or whatever. And Figueredo, I thought, played it perfect. It was only about a second and a half, but I swear it felt like 10 seconds. I thought he was going to Ronda Rousey him and not shake his hand, which would have been a ooh moment, you know? And mm-hmm. so, obviously, now you would have had a clear heel and a clear baby face because Marino in front of the, you know, Mexican-American and Mexican crowd that's in Dallas, Texas, and he's the more likable guy, you know, Legos and shit. And Figueroa would have been, hey, I'm the guy beefing with Dana White, and I, you know, I uh, I wear glasses indoors, and what's up? Like, I thought it could have easily went to that. But it didn't. It actually turned into like you know, if I can change, everyone can change. Rocky Four, right? Oh, it was man, I was like, I was like, what's what's going on here? You know. But in the end, everyone was applauding and everybody was like digging it. And I was like, well, you know what? Fuck it. I mean, like, I guess this 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 works too. Yeah, it's par for the course for that night. I think I think the night just had this weird momentum that uh, kept building and building and building, and that that was just another thing where something good finally happened you know it was a decent fight i didn't think it was fight of the night but there was a stoppage in it and then it just kind of hit a wall again just odd man just an odd night yeah 
Um, you know what I thought was fight of the night was maybe Alves and Dober. Yeah, I thought that was the clear one. I thought that was the fight of the night, and I thought what they could have done was said, "Hey, Dober, we're gonna give you fight of the night, so shut up." Mm-hmm. And we're gonna give the um performance of the night one of them to Pantoja and the other one to Pavlovich or whoever else. If they wanted to stick to their four, I thought they could have done that. But instead, they gave these two fight of the night, and frankly, it wasn't. And here, tell me if I'm if I'm off here. Weren't there times in a few fights, but for sure, Marino and and Kai Car France, where we're going a whole minute and there's not really a strike being thrown. Mm-hmm. They're standing, and it's like giving me this haunted feeling, like oh no, not a Sparzanama Yunus, not Lewis and and Nganu, not Shamrock and 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 uh, Dan Sever. Like oh no, here we go. You know, like like it could easily be that as well. Yeah, no, that was uh that was a couple of those. But it's happening like the last, in the last few months. It's happened like three or four times where I'm going, come on, do something, you know. I realize it especially when we're when we are doing the watch alongs because we have to make up for that time. Remember, we're trying to translate what's happening in the cage to you guys. And if there is no action, well, you can't sit there like a mummy, right? You gotta say something. And mm-hmm. so it's become a little bit more noticeable too because of those situations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we get to the main event. And I'm sorry, goes, but guess what? Juliana's win. Was a fluke over yeah, it was a fluke. It was a fluke because Amanda looked terrible in that fight. She won first round, but she didn't look terrible. She, she gassed, gassed out, but she she, she looked she good and broke and just choke out and, and just uh, you know, tapped out or whatever. And in this fight, she was so good everywhere, and she ate some of Juliana's good punches. But this time she came prepared. She was hungry. I think a lot of it just had to do with she was prepared. She really trained hard and did the cardio um, because she just made Juliana look like she didn't even belong in there. Like if you knew nothing about the sport, you'd go, hang on a second. You mean to tell me she beat her and finished her? Like what? Come on. This has got to be a practical joke. Like Juliana Pena, I won't say look awful. I think she was like, okay, I'm Juliana Pena. Here I go. I'm going to do what she did. Get out of the first round and watch me turn it on. Well, no, because the other one, she brought a gas tank, you know, and then all those skills were there. I mean, those takedowns were easy. She knocked her down, what, five times? Like, I think I lost count. Um, You got a 50-43, a 50-44, a 50-45. Like, uh, you know, so to me, now I'm thinking, fuck, man, you know what? That first fight was a fluke. No, man, because I think if it's a fluke, what that means is like you could have put anybody out there against the man Nunes in that first fight and they would have done the same thing. I don't think it means that. I mean, yeah, because I mean, there has I, to be I someone that that has the chin to not get knocked out in that first right. round that Amanda won. And it also has to mean that that you took can come back. Right? But when Juliana tried to tried to get Amanda down, she almost laughed her off, dude. And Juliana, and how easy her. did she get that takedown in the second in the second round of the first fight? Like, I mean, she just kind of threw her down, kind of like if you haven't seen Laura, you know, in a few weeks, and you just kind of tackle her and start tickling her on the bed. She ain't gonna stop you. You're just gonna throw her on the bed. You know what I mean? Th- mm-hmm. This one looked it, it was like nothing, you know. And and yet Amanda just. I don't know, man. I just she, think it was a bad night for Amanda, but I don't think you can call it a fluke. Yeah, well, I mean, that's my opinion. Um, I never took the win away from her. I really was convinced, like, holy crap, maybe I underestimated Pena, especially when I watched it the second time and I saw her sticker with that jab, occasionally land an overhand right or a counter right. But in this fight, like, it's like, it's like Amanda said, okay, I, I saw the three tricks you learned and they worked, but that was shitty, Amanda. And it ain't going to work here. And I mean, it, they did, a lot of stuff didn't even come close to working. So I, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know. That's all I can think of. That's all I can think is that the first fight must have been a fluke, man. I just put it the, this way. I think the third fight would go just like the second fight. Possibly. Yeah, I could see that. But there's a difference, though, is like, Think of what Amanda Amanda Nunes looked like against Ronda Rousey, right? Against uh, Misha Tate, 
She just went in there and mopped the flick, just boom, boom, knockout. She hasn't really been able to do that with Juliana. She's put her in bad spots, but she can't make Juliana knock her down five times, though. She didn't she knock her out, but she knocked her down. And she's making a lot of fighters quit early. Yeah. Well, that I'll give credit to. I mean, I'm not saying she's a tomato can in no way. Even if you just throw out Juliana's win over Amanda Nunes and the loss to Amanda Nunes, if you throw all that away and just go, well, tell me about Juliana Pena. I think she was, what, six and one, tough champion. You know, like she's had a respectable career, just had there was an injury and then there was the pregnancy. And so she just wasn't really active much in the last few years. And then she comes out of nowhere and gets that win. But um, so I'm not calling her a tomato can or, or, or anything like that. She's a top 10 legit weight fighter, but that's just kind of how I feel after watching this fight. I think the third fight would go the same way. Um, you know, with, with Matt Sarah, when he knocked out GSP, I can't say that was a fluke because Matt Sarah's always had a heavy right hand and he's put others out the same way. And in this case, he connected, followed it up, boom. So whether GSP took him lightly, didn't train, or whatever, it didn't matter because that right hand was was it was just on the money you know what i mean but with juliana it's like yeah she kind of had a few answers for amanda but i think it's because i'm like a shadow of amanda showed up in round one or uh, in fight number one and um and in, in fight number two was like the real amanda i mean she didn't even look that tired it looked like if they said somehow hey we got to do a round six i think she went i went out there touch gloves Maybe threw a couple strikes and then boom, took her back down on the ground and just mauled her. I mean, that chick was leaking everywhere. Yeah. And so now nobody's in a hurry to watch the trilogy, right? I would say not. But when you think of the options that are out there, I'd much rather watch this fight for a third time than see somebody else, other than, which is very odd, that Dana White is a little open to Valentina Shevchenko. He is, but. I think Caitlin Vera did her job, man. When she beat Holly Holm, like she did enough. You know, these these aren't these are shallow divisions. So a two fight win streak, a three fight win streak, that's usually enough. And so this is a chance to say, hey, look, Juliana, we're just not ready for a trilogy just yet. This Doesn't have kind of yeah. This fight was kind of one sided. Why don't you fight Holly Holm? I'll, I'll steal that from Mike Bond. He suggested it with Mick Maynard shoes, Sean Shelby shoes when he does that. And Kayla and Vera, I was there for the Vera home fight. I thought it was close. And, in fact, I think that night I thought home won. I was okay with Vera. I rewatched that fight, and I was okay with Vera getting the call. And so, um, Vera, I, I think that that would be a good opponent for Amanda Nunes just to kind of shake it up. Now, let's say Pena smokes home and Nunes smokes Vera. Well, then, what are you going to do? Let's do the trilogy. Okay. It is 1-1. I won't, I won't take that away from her. She finished her. Um, regardless of whether I think the real Amanda Nunes didn't show up, that doesn't matter. She she still won. I think the UFC can find a way to sell that, but I think they should go separate ways for now. And somewhere in the mix, if I've always been a fan of Valentina Shashenko versus um, Amanda Nunes for the third time. However, Boston's lost her a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So this that that could be a whole other conversation. But I, I wanted to say this: Nunez also has the responsibility of a of featherweight. And I think there's only like two out there. And I think Dumont, Chasson, you know, the ones that are like working at 45, like they can also work at 35. So I just don't know that there's much there. I I really think that division should just be scrapped and then just go. We retired with her at champ. Maybe we'll revisit it like we did 155. You know, about 15, 17 years ago, we got rid of the 55-pound division, and then we brought it back. But for right now, they're just – the cupboards are bare. I agree so, with you, George. I agree with you, but you can't do it. And you can't do it because Kayla Harrison has already said this is probably her last season with PFL. Right? But she's still tied with PFL. So what she wants to do, she doesn't want to do the regular season. And then the, the other thing, I think she just wants to have fights. But I think she's tied to the PFL still. Yeah, so they're going to have their arena series, or I don't know if they'll – try a pay-per-view or what but she wants to be on those cards and just kind of slow down and not have to cut weight four times a year or whatever i think she's the only reason that that division exists there's literally there's nothing dude there's nothing plus 
if the UFC really wanted her, they would have wrote her a big check, right? And said, come on over. Well, I don't I mean, I guess they could have come up with something that the PFL couldn't sign, starting with pay-per-view. You know, they're not in the pay-per-view business. So if they would have put that in the contract, maybe these people wouldn't have been in it. But they didn't seem that interested. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Who knows? But for right, right now, I just feel like 45, whatever. Now, let's get back to Valentina versus Amanda. Here's what I'm now convinced. After seeing Talia Santos have some success on the ground and seeing how formidable a motivated and well-trained Amanda Nunes is, I'm wondering if Amanda Nunes would say, you know what, I'm not striking with you, Valentina. I'm just going to take you to the ground and maul you. And I don't know if Valentina would have too many answers. Now, Valentina, I'm not saying is a fish out of water on the on, on the on the floor, but um, again, we just saw what Santos did. And Valentina even said it herself. Hey, that's a bigger girl, you know. I I don't fight much higher than what I weigh in at. And you know, Amanda's a bigger girl. You know what I mean? A big, strong girl. So I I don't know. I'll still watch it. I've been championing it for a while, but um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Nunes might fight smart and just stay away from striking with Valentina. Had it not been for Valentina's last fight, I'd be a lot more interested. Yeah. That's a perfect way of putting it. Um, all right. So then the undercard was like this, since we've kind of covered the main card. Alex Morano versus Matthew Semmelsberger. Uh, boy, I thought they could have stopped it in between rounds two and three because that eye I thought was completely shut. But I was telling goes, the doctor comes in and goes, hey, how many, how many fingers am I holding up? And in my opinion, I don't remember seeing referees do four and five too many times. It's usually one, two, or three. Semmelsberger may have just guessed. I think I would have said, okay, how about now? And done it again and switched my fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know. I, I just hope, I hope doctors can maybe start using five and four a little bit more. Who knows? But it, it's really a one and three guess, in my opinion. It's either one, two, or three. He may have guessed right, you know, but um, he let him go out there. And to Semmelsberger's credit, he he lasted the whole round. He had a nice moment to start things off. So that was pretty cool. It's like we learned something with every single fight. Drew Dober defeated Rafael, Rafael Alves. And I thought that was a really, really fun fight, man. It really went back and forth. Uh, punch to the body right in the solar plexus ended it. Uh, Hamdi uh, Abdel Wahab defeated Don Telmez. This one was pretty cool, too, man. I um, The Egyptian fighter came in 5-0 and and... Did his thing. I thought Maze, all six, six of them was going to at some point just, you know, outclass this guy just out of pure athleticism. And, uh, but the other guy, man, he was, he was tough. I just want to have a conversation with that doctor and ask him, what is it you think had to happen for you to stop it? Like, did his eyeball have to fall out? Cause he clearly could not see it was shut. If I go to his practice and he goes, hey, you got COVID? I just go, nah, that good enough for him? Like, I just get up and walk out? Like, it was shot, dude. What more mm-hmm. has happened for you to say, now? Nah, this guy can't continue? Yeah, I don't know. I, I He just gave him that test because as soon as he gave him the test and the guy guessed right, it was on, you know? Um, and it's not like I don't want fights to continue, but the one thing I've learned is in a situation like that, I don't think they're going to cut you off of that. Um, you don't have to prove your toughness to me. You know, but, um, you know, f- f- fighters, fighters, they, they want to go. They want to go no matter what. And so it, it worked out. Like I say, he lasted the round. He had his moment in the early part of round three. He really hurt Murano. But then things settled down and. You know, Morano wound up winning the fight, and the doctor, I guess, got excused. And this is me more clowning more than anything. Um, it could be that the doctor does it three, five times. I don't know. And the guy guesses right every time because maybe there was a little sliver there. It didn't look like it, like he could see, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Jacar Close defeated Rafa Garcia. That fight was pretty fun. I like that one, too. Michael Morales defeated Adam uh, Fugget and... Uh, Jocelyn Edwards defeated Yi Yong Kim. Nikolai Negamaranu defeated Ihor Poteria. And Orion Koshi defeated Mike Mathena. So 
I had no problem with the early pre, uh, prelims. I thought the Negro Morano and Morales wins were really, really nice. Edwards and Kim was interesting. The only thing I was a little disappointed in Kim is I think she was 0-3 going into this fight. And her path to victory, I thought, was trying to take down Edwards, and she just wouldn't. And, like, dude, you should be fighting for your job. You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. um, like I say, Dana White said that they sold, like, 19000 and change as far as tickets go. $4.5 million gate. So that's tremendous out at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. They hadn't been back there in four years. I think the Woodley-Till fight is the last time they were there. So that's pretty cool. They've been to Houston like five times. Uh, but I guess Dallas didn't want to play ball. Plus, in Houston, that's where Fertitta, the other Fertitta, the cousin or something like that, he owns that arena. So White's in with the Fertitas. I have no problem with that. You know, I, I realize some states are just going to be easier for him to work with during this ongoing pandemic and then as far as uh the rest of the other s- stuff you know i gotta bring it up but you know that jake paul uh hasim rockman jr fight is off right yeah that was an interesting situation the so it, it's all going to come down to who you believe really uh but a lot of the information out there doesn't need to be disputed it's pretty clear you know the the rockman camp the fight was supposed to be at what 200 right Mm-hmm. He asked for five more pounds. They gave it to him. Then he wanted two fifteen. Yeah, at some point you got to draw the line. The problem mm-hmm. is that the fight, the card is just so. That's how it is in boxing. It's so heavy at the top that everybody else has to suffer. Right? Amanda Serrano's doesn't fight now. Everybody else on the undercard doesn't fight. That part sucks. But uh, Tommy Fury, I mean, sorry, uh, uh, Rockman, he could have. Uh, he could have lost a little bit more. I mean, when he when he weighed in virtually, he lost one pound in like three weeks when they had him reweigh. Like you, you got to be able to make more of an effort, I think, in that. So I do understand Jake Paul in that sense, um, but it, but it is unfortunate for everybody else on that card. And Dana White, his theory is that maybe a lack of ticket sales is to blame. And so it was easy for Paul to just, instead of sucking it up, go, you know what? This thing ain't selling good. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Teach this guy a lesson. And But you're, you're right. A lot of people are going to, there's going to be some money lost there. Now, of course, there is a promoter involved. They used to work for the UFC. I thought Dana White could have came at them a little bit more hard the way Jake Paul tends to come at, at him and McGregor and others. But um, that was his theory, you know, that maybe ticket sales weren't doing good. And uh, so, yeah, so now that fight's off and they move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he signed the contract in the beginning, so it's not like he's afraid to fight the guy. I don't know why people keep saying that. Um, I have a feeling one day, though, that fight will happen. That Jake Paul's afraid to fight him? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't believe that one. That seems well, to be a little bit of a reach, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a step up. Don't get me wrong, man. It's a step up from what he's been doing you know, fighting pretty much non-boxers, but um, it's not to the point where I think he is uh, scared. Uh, I think that's hogwash right there. But yeah, so that fight on August 6th is not happening. I'll tell you what is happening is Vicente Luque versus Jeff Neal. That's definitely happening. So that's pretty cool. Um. Amanda Nunez regains champ champ status. Would you say she overtakes Valentina Shoshenko as the number one pound for pound female fighter? She kind of took a slip down when she lost to Pena and Valentina beat Talia Santos. What about now that Amanda's back on top with two belts and also owning the two wins over Shoshenko? Kind of hard to deny her a little bit, right? For sure. I mean, even if even if Valentina Shevchenko was dominant in her last performance, it is kind of hard when you're that close to each other and one has two wins over you. It, it is difficult. Yeah. She's got some belts on her shoulders. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about it, and it's got to be Amanda Nunes at this point. 
She avenged the loss to Juliana Pena. If Juliana Pena had won twice, then what you would have is Pena beat Nunes twice, Nunes beat Shevchenko twice, and Shevchenko beat Nunes, uh, Pena once. But I thought at that point, with Nunes out of the way, if Shevchenko can beat Pena or move up and fight Pena and beat her, then she would have that honor. You know, like we all beat each other in a round robin two times, except I'm the one standing here with two belts because that would make Valentina a flyweight and bantamweight champ. Nunes would only have the featherweight. See, that featherweight belt by itself to me is like kind of almost nothing. All right. But when you are holding the bantamweight belt and that other belt, I'm like, yeah, okay, champ, champ. I got no problem with it. But when that's your only one, it's like, oh man, it compared to like the killers at strawweight. I mean, that's a revolving door of killers. And then the dominant champ that Valentina Shashenko is, and then had Pena beat you twice. Like, literally, I think Nunes is almost standing there in, in a clown outfit. You know what I mean? Because I think very little of that 45-pound belt. I mean, it was two goes. This whole thing started with GDR and Holly, Holly Holm. Two Bantamweights moved up to 45 just to get this thing going. You yeah. know what I mean? And then they remember GDR was like, nah, I don't want to fight Cyborg. I think it was Cyborg at the time mm -hmm. or something like that. I forget. Um, like, it, it was just like this carousel, and then Cyborg is there, and you know, she loses, and then she goes to Bellator and goes, well, how about if Amanda comes to me? Like, come on, Cyborg. We're in the history of cross-promotion involving the UFC. I could point to maybe one or two times that they've done it in almost 30 years. Do you really think that they were going to do this? Like, like you know, and, and of course, they, they tried, but I don't think they tried hard enough. If they really wanted Kayla, I think they could have maybe made something happen. They just didn't want to break the bank, I guess. Right. And I think they missed the boat because I think Kayla is a star. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, like, well, she's a star until she gets KO'd, right? Because she because she, she doesn't have like the resume to back it up after that, you know. So basically, she's a stud until she runs into somebody that proves otherwise. It's Which different is what we thought about Cyborg. Cyborg kind of didn't really have the the stiffest opposition. At, all over the place, you know. But she didn't have a well. It was stiffer than like, than Kayla, and she did it longer than Kayla, yeah. so she earned it, and she earned all those belts. I'm not saying that, but you could tell most of the time she was either fighting a 35er that was moving up, or just someone that happened to pick off a couple 45ers, and so you got a win streak, okay, you know. But for the most part, you know, Cyborg's just a, I mean, a specimen, a 45 pound specimen. Just like Harrison is, you know, in her weight class. Um, so so they're just beasts. And I I think I think John Wei Lee is gonna be very difficult to be like I feel bad for Carla Sparza, but when she fights Carla Sparza, then John Wei Lee will be the favorite. I think John Wei Lee has a good chance to win. And I think John Wei Lee may even have a um she may have a, a long a long reign. Yeah. Yeah, that's the feeling I get. I don't know, man. Jean Wei looked really good against Joanna. She yeah. kind of almost feels like a, a specimen out there. Like like Brock versus all the other heavyweights. Mm. Who knows? I kind of saw Brock versus Randy the other day. And Randy stole on his jaw a couple times. And I think he caught him by the eye. Um, it's not like Randy wasn't in that fight. He was, you know, but then those lunchbox mitts that that other guy has caught him behind yeah, the ear yeah yeah um thank you to everyone obviously for the watch along by the way for hanging out with us we really had a good time and you know what can we do we we, we show up we hope for great results and we got a few but yeah like i say something just feels off like like Prochaska and Teixeira was awesome you know and then Jean Wiley and Joanna that was awesome in its own way because uh nothing against Joanna I didn't want her to retire but Jean Wiley looked great those two are big names and then of course Talia Santos threatened Shevchenko but that Izzy fight kind of like left a little bit. So Volkanovsky dominated Max, kind of blew him out of the water. 
And then he, he did what Nunez almost did to Pena. Maybe not as bad, but kind of up there. And so that's fun to watch and respect the Volkanovsky. I really like him. But at the same time, it's like, ah, it's not compelling. And then Izzy did what he did, which kind of like we're like, ah, again. So I feel like we, between that and those freak injuries, there's been a lot of ah on some of these events. You know what I mean? And this one kind of had a few ah as well. And you miss a little bit of those big personalities too that are out there. That are, when's the last time we heard Kobe Covington say something crazy or hey, Masvidal? Like some of these bigger, uh, Conor McGregor's been on the shelf for a Jones, while. Jones, McGregor, Poirier can't get a fight. Poor Nate, he gets old Shemayev. I, I, this week, Dana White did some media and he was like, These guys are so difficult to deal with. We had to give him Shemayev. He wanted Usman. I can't give him Usman. He wanted Ngannou. What am I supposed to do? And I'm thinking, Poirier, dumb motherfucker. That's who. But nobody really followed up on it. You know what I mean? But Poirier's like, dude, that could be the fight of the year. Poirier versus Nate Diaz. Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> Why doesn't he bring up that one? Like. That's why I say this guy can drive me nuts at times. But it's still one hell of a promotion and one hell of a sport he's helped build. So I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Anything on the way out goes. Uh, just I kind of want to reiterate um, something that we talked about on our watch along. And fans of the show, Aaron Menard, who is Aaron from Texas, a caller we used to have on the show, he went to school, did the uh, the judging and refing, and he's done LFA before. He's done some shows, but this was his first UFC show, and he was a judge for, I want to say, four fights. Dude, hats off to that kid for making that happen. Such a cool thing. I'm so proud that some of it initiated here on the show, but to see uh, people get to their dreams like that, it's just so badass, and I'm just really happy for him. Very proud of him. Me too. Happy and proud. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Go seeing him there in his suit, right at the apron. That was cool. And I guess he did about four or five fights. The last I, I looked at the scorecards, and it seemed like either most of the main card was the same guys. I think it was Crosby, Montalvo, who was also a ref, and um, and Sal Diamato, like. They didn't really do much rotating when they got to the top, but on the early part of the card, he he featured like out of the first nine fights. He was he must have been like on four or five of them. Now on two of them, he was a dissenting judge on two rounds where the judges went the other way. I'm gonna go back and rewatch those fights and just see if maybe he was off and I disagree with him and that's fine, or if he was like, "What are you thinking, Menard?" You know what I mean. But for the most part, yeah, man, just seeing him sit there, it really was a proud moment. Like to see somebody who was just a listener of the show decide to get involved in the sport and then get a chance to do it at a high level. And now his name, you, you know, you can, he can take a picture of those scorecards. That was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to say, and it was not, it's not that big of a deal, but it was just a headline. Uh, I guess I'd have to go back and listen, but there was an article that I read that Josh Thompson said, he is the only guy to ever finish Nate Diaz. But the point he was trying to make was, well, that's going to go out the window because Hamza Shemayev is going to join me as the only ones to knock out <laughs> Nate Diaz. He's, <laughs> his prediction's obviously in, right? He's got Shemayev in that one. But I was like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, it came via Dr. Stoppage, but I thought you can give credit to Masvidal stopping Nate Diaz. True. Right? For the BMF? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of like more of a technical knockout. It's via a doctor stoppage, but it still goes down as a TKO. But I don't understand why he's excluded. Because it's not like the doctor said, hey, how'd this happen? And Diaz said, well, I was fighting Masvidal. And between rounds, I went back to my corner, tripped, and hit myself, you know, on the stool. No. I mean, the damage came from fighting Masvidal. So... He must have just forgot that one, or maybe he goes in there and clarifies the difference between the the stoppage of you know in the middle of action versus a doctor stoppage. I don't know, but yeah, uh, it's, like, it's a KO, right? Yeah, yeah. No, little, little, little something, something. But you know, I really like his show with uh, John McCarthy, uh, and and I've always enjoyed Josh Thompson as uh, covering him as a fighter and 
congrats on the fact that he is a consistent presence there at Bellator. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, we're going to jump on out of here. And uh, another shout-out to MMABobblehead.com for allowing us to give away a uh, bobblehead on this last watch-along. Folks, we'll see you all on Thursday. Don't forget you can catch us on Spinning Back Click over at MMA, uh, YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Goes and I are part of that video franchise and all the ex- extended interviews that we do also available on the YouTube channel. One more time, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. We're out of here. Go out there and be a champion.